midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Welcome to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and with me today is Mr. Logan Stump. Uh, how's it going, everybody? This is exciting. Um, I can't wait for you to bring on Matt because I'm really excited to kind of just hear his thoughts. Yeah, let's 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 have Matt on and talk some uh, Liverpool results. They won three nothing, uh, and we welcome Matt in. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matt? Is there a Matt? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like we're at Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, Matt? <laughs> no, Matt is not here today. He is too busy having fun uh, doing other things and not uh, beholden to the podcast right now. So Hey, we're on episode, like, what is this, three of the season? And Matt's already ditched. Yeah, Matt. So, uh... <laughs> three. Week you've one. Been on epi- you've, on, you've been on every episode, Jordan. Like. You oh, are the it. only. Yeah. yeah, I think I am. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did kind of miss the stateside, but I guess that, I mean, you were on the stateside episode. You just weren't in the interview. So. Oh, yeah, I did miss the one. Dynamo. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I guess I'm the most dedicated to the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to be talking week one. Uh, Premier League results here, match week one. Uh, and we're going to overreact to the table. We're going to uh, underreact to some of the results. And we're going to just moderately react uh, to the rest. So uh, that is our plan uh, today. So we started out the week with a Friday afternoon game which was newly promoted Brentford versus Arsenal. And uh, Arsenal just arsenaled, man. They, they lose 2-0 to Brentford <laughs> to start the season. Sergi Canos and Christian uh, Norgard uh, scored to make it a 2-0 victory over, over Arsenal. Um, Stat-wise, Arsenal had most of the possession. They had less of the XG. They had 22 shots to the eight from Brentford. But Brentford put the two away that mattered. And uh, that's all she wrote, right? I mean, the fact is, uh, they had Arsenal had four shots on target out of their 22 shots. Just not good enough from Arsenal. You know, and, and not having uh, Lacazette, not having Aubameyang. I mean, it's it's a team that 
like when, like you said, they arsenal. When when you look at teams and and really kind of just try to understand exactly what the lineup's going to look like, you just never know with Arsenal. And then how, what you know, what kind of you know, what expectations do you have for the players that come out um, every single day, especially with Arteta playing, you know, coaching? And I think that you know Arsenal just kind of drop one here to a team that in Brentford that is eager to be in the Premier League. I feel like it's been a long time coming for Brentford, so I think that that had a lot to do with it, but um, it's really fun to see some of these uh, teams that were recently promoted um, play pretty well. So, Yeah, this was this was a good result. As uh, somebody that has a father that is an Arsenal fan, uh, we've, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, he, he told me that he actually, yeah, I was like, what, Arteta out? And he said, well, he actually has a good excuse because of Obama Yang and, and, uh, and Lacazette not being there, mm-hmm. but he thinks that both of them uh, is what he heard is uh, being linked to a move away. So that would be kind of interesting. Where do they go yeah. for strikers from here? If that's the if that's the case, but you know, uh, I also heard, saw some people online questioning. You know, does Olegano Shoskar have a better record with Arsenal if he replaced? Arteta and a lot of people say yes and I I can kind of see why they would say that is because there was a few years where Ole was you know kind of putting up with a mediocre uh, Manchester United squad and doing pretty decently with them and I think that you know um, he might be the better manager Uh, we haven't really seen much from Arteta as much as I had him as manager of the year last season uh, before the season started uh, we haven't really seen enough from him to prove that as being Pep's protege I mean, do you think they can do better with these two players coming back? I mean, Aubameyang's being linked to Barcelona, even though they probably can't afford him as is anyway. But, you know, if, if Aubameyang was to go to Barcelona, uh, you know, who does who can Arsenal convince to come here uh, and play uh, in London uh, when a lot of the other teams in London are kind of even do like I would almost feel like some people probably pick West Ham over going to Arsenal sometimes. Yeah, I mean they they they've been in talks. Uh, I know with James Madison, at least they think they have. Um, they, they, right. So I, you know, they're talking James Madison. Leicester's definitely a better team uh, than, than Arsenal is. Um, and again, they, they like you said, Jordan. I think it they really struggle. Um, I want to be nice to the Arsenal fans that listen to the pod, but um, they just really struggle with big signings anymore. I mean, you're you're looking at Man City, you're looking at Man United, you're looking at Chelsea, you're looking at uh, a Liverpool team that it's really hard to pass on the opportunity to play with those teams. Um, you know, they had been linked to OR from, uh, from, I think it's from Lyon, for a long time. Um, it just seems that Arteta is going to be spinning his wheels here uh, because again, I you know I don't think people cherish that you know that club like it once was. Um, I, I don't think that you know it, it, it's got the same teeth that it did. Um, and I think that you know in part is just the fact that they just don't draw players. Um, when you've got two of your best players wanting out, it seems that it will be a mess, and it'll be a mess for a long time coming. They go out and buy one defender and Ben White, spend fifty million on him, and I think that that's just. You know, kind of where Arsenal is at this point. They they pick one big signing and go, 
that looked good. Like Thomas Party. It was kind of like that thing last year where he's just like, yeah, yeah, it was a good signing, but I'm like what 20 a... years, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'll take, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'll, you know, it takes, you know, 11 years to put 11 out there. So, yeah, not a good start. Um, and there's a bunch of people in, in, uh, in the media that think that, you know, they've just, they just don't have any direction. They, they needed a central midfielder that was good in attack, not really having one kind of bites them and then just not having attacking players. This team's going to struggle. Let's move on to Manchester United versus uh, Leeds. Both these teams have some, you know, I would say probably high expectations. A lot of people, you know, putting a lot, I think, on Leeds after their showing last year. Manchester United, you know, with the money they've spent uh, over the time and, you know, uh, the fact that they were, uh, what finished second in the Premier League last year? There, there's there's some uh, there's some expectations there, and it opens up with a 30 minute Bruno Fernandez goal uh, with a great assist by Pogba. Really good ball by Pogba. Not a great finish by Bruno. As it just kind of land, you know, like goes underneath of uh, the keeper's leg and hits the keeper's leg and could have went anywhere, but uh, it gets into the back of the net. Then at halftime. Uh, they take off Rodrigo on Leeds and put in Junior uh, Furpo. And then in the 48th minute, Luke Ayling scores a cracker of a goal, man. This thing is a fantastic shot and uh, doesn't last long, though. 50, 52 minutes, Jason <laughs> Greenwood uh, scores, assisted by Pogba. Bruno scores again in the 54th, assisted by Pogba. This one... I believe is the one that goes over the line, and then they had to actually call it as mm-hmm. uh, the goal line. I had to step in here. Then in the 60th minute, Bruno finishes his hat trick, and then in the 68th, Fred scores, assisted by Pogba. Pogba with four assists out of the five goals, and Bruno with scoring three of the goals. Pretty good. They actually had less possession than Leeds, and they finished with five goals. They had 16 shots to Leeds, 10. They had eight shots on target. The leads three, and they had expected goals of one point four seven. And they end up with five. So you know that shows you how pointless XG is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Jordan doesn't like the XG stat. Um, and you're right, uh, soccer, like at least with baseball, hard there, to stat. Yeah, soccer is. is very hard for for stats. Yeah, you can't look at like. You can't look at possession because possession is very misleading, as we'll get to later on in the show. Um, but again, I, it is—it's a weird stat because it, you, you've got so much that can happen because there's so many there's so many people out there that hit goals that get goals that are just not goals that you should be scoring, but they do because they're they're really great professionals. Um, but yeah, this is one of those cases. Um, good for Pogba, though. I I haven't you know you don't you don't see that name anymore. Um, like many thought that you would when he when he joined United, uh, coming over on record deal, thought in 2016 they were getting this world class player, and he's just not ever really panned out. Last year of his contract, uh, four assists. It's only been done six times um, in 30 years of the actual just the Premier League as itself. Um, it's pretty amazing because it's it's a team you and I I think we're higher on than maybe Matt. I want to say. Um, if I can, I'll go, I, look. I'll go yeah. look. Yeah, I got it written down. Here. Yeah, go look. I can't remember if Matt had them. I think Matt had them fourth, and then Liverpool third, and we had Man United both third, I believe. 
Yeah, we had United third. He had United fourth. Yeah. Yeah. But again, th- this is a dominant performance. And when you have Bruno Fernandez, um, you know, it, he wasn't as spectacular as he had been in the past. But uh, this this game, I think, really shows just how special he can be. And to get them all firing on cylinder, um, it's going to be a tough team to beat this year, I think, unfortunately. I think so, too. I mean, I, I've been worried about United. Uh, they brought Jaden Sancho, and they didn't even have mm-hmm. to play him until later in the game. Uh, and then... Pogba looking like Juve Pogba and you know it and you have Bruno I mean who's just been since he joined Manchester United has just been fantastic it's it's gonna be a rough season I mean of course they they defeated Leeds pretty handily last year but again they finished second place last year um United not Leeds but <laughs> I was gonna say when was that that would have been Right. Uh, but yeah, so that was a, you know, um, it, it felt like the Manchester United of old. I'll, I'll tell you, it also felt like a FIFA game where, yeah. you know, like th- this is how it would be like if you're either on easy or if you're on hard, right? Mm-hmm. Or like if you're on easy, you're Manchester United mm-hmm. and you score and then you're like, oh, I gave up the the equalizer and then you just go nuts. Yeah. Uh, if you're playing on hard, you're like, I finally got the equalizer and then they just yeah. it on you and you're like, oh no. Um, but you know, cause sometimes it happens in people where it's like, you, you give up, you, you score and then you give up like three and you're like, are you kidding? Mm-hmm. And Logo know all about that after getting fired a few times in yeah. his FIFA career. <laughs> it's messed up. <laughs> Although I would say, I, I think the biggest concern, uh, obviously out of this game is Leeds. Leeds can't defend anyone and they couldn't defend last year very well either. So it was, you know, this is they a team that, court. yes. And, and Bielsa's, you know, he's known for that. He's known for trying to bash you in the mouth in the attack. Um, and Leeds just doesn't have the defense. And you can't really do that in the Premier League. Like, you can do that in some other leagues and get away with it. But Premier League is like, they'll expose you big time. Um, I feel like in Spain, you can score a lot and be scored on quite a bit and still kind of survive. But I feel like in the Premier League, there there's some really good defensive teams. Um so I think that, you know, and everybody's getting better, I think. I think people have done things. Obviously, Liverpool's gotten better. City's gotten better in defense than last year. Chelsea's always defended pretty well, um, as long as Kepa's not in. So, um, you know, I think Leeds, Leeds could be in some, some heat if they keep giving up the goals like they did against United. But, again, it's kind of tough to just tell with all these players kind of missing games. And who knows where their form is in, in their fitness. So. Let's get to Burnley versus your Seagulls, Brighton, Hove, Albion. Uh, we had James Tarkowski scoring two minutes in for Burnley, and it looked like it was off to a great start. And it looked really great all the way up to the 73rd minute when Malpe scored to equalize it. And Alexis McAllister scores uh, five minutes later in the 78th to give the boys in blue, the Brighton uh, Seagulls, a 2-1 victory over Burnley. Yeah, uh, I think we, we've always talked about this when we talked about Burnley. Um, they just don't they don't have the scoring to to kind of let these games slip into. And that's sad to say because, you, you know, that you would like to be able to win games that you only allow two goals sometimes. But I don't, I'm not sure Burnley has what it takes. When, I mean, Tarkowski is their, their best defender. Um, and if he's going to be somebody, I, I guess, would – 
would be the, the person that they would look upon to try to get goals. But again, I think it with Burnley, you just look at a team that really just struggles in the attack. Um, it was why I, I think a, quite a few of us um, really predicted that, that, that they'd be bottom of the table or close to it because we just, I, I just don't see where they're going to get goals all season. Um, you know, you look at their, their lineup and they're just not names that you recognize. They're not names that are prolific in scoring. So really cool stats here. 64% possession to uh, Brighton 36 to Burnley, but uh, the shots were both teams had 14 shots. Uh, now Brighton finished with uh, eight of those on target to Burnley's three, but just interesting. You don't see that a lot where they have the same amount of shots and they're both that high of a, when they're both like that high of a <laughs> high of a number. Right. Uh, let's go to the European champions and the Super Cup champions. Chelsea, three over Crystal Palace, nil. Uh, Marcus Alonso scores a great goal in the 27th minute. Uh, Pulisic scores in the 40th minute on a nice uh, rebound. And then uh, Trevo uh, uh, Chalaba, uh, his brother used to play for Chelsea as well. Uh, he comes in on his debut and scores a, a really low rocket, really great finish. And Crystal Palace just outworked. They only get four shots. Three of those in the box. I'm not sure where the fourth one's coming from because uh, it's not on this. It's not on this chart here. It only shows three, so I'm wondering where the where the fourth one is. Unless you're <laughs> counting a shot from like all the way in there, half, but I can't find one. Um, but yeah, sixty-two uh, percent possession for Chelsea, thirty-eight to Palace. Palace finished with a point two nine xg. Chelsea with a one point one four. Thirteen shots to four, six shots on target to one. Just not not a great result here for Crystal Palace. Not really, not really much for them to have done. Uh, all of Chelsea have really good match ratings, except for Timo Werner here on Botmop. Yeah, this uh, <laughs> I, I will say an overreaction, I guess. But um, Chelsea, Chelsea was the best team this weekend. Um, and I, you know, United scores five, but I, United's at home. Uh, United's playing uh, with a little bit of fire underneath them. And I, I think, too, you know, once Leeds conceded, it just kind of fell apart for them. Chelsea Whereas the Chelsea game, yeah. But the Chelsea game, like watching the Chelsea game felt different. Like they, <laughs> I, I remember watching the first half I texted you guys and I said, I don't think – I don't think Crystal Palace has had the ball in their half of the field yet. <laughs> like, and if they did, it was on accident. Like, the ball trickled back, and and one of the the attacking players just picked it up on accident. Um, but when you look up and down the line, I mean, Chelsea just was absolutely brilliant. Um, I mean, it starts from the back and it goes forward. Uh, I thought Chalaba looked really good. Uh, really young kid. It's really cool to see him score too. He got really emotional. Um, I think he teared up a little bit, which was great. Uh, Christensen played really well. Rudiger was really good. Mendy played well when he had to, but he didn't really have to do much. Um, I really like the Aspilicueta 
and the Alonzo like wing back kind of thing. Because Chelsea was almost like in a three, four, two, one. And I, I liked how those two played. I really, really liked how Marcus Alonso played. I thought he was probably the man of the match. Um, they got me lots of points because I yes. have Espilicueta, uh, and I have Pulisic, and yep. I have Georgino. Yes. Uh, so they got me tons of fantasy points in our draft league. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I think they're playing without somebody that I thought looked like their best player last year once Havertz turned that corner last year. Um, I mean, this team uh, just – Kind of like in the, in the same ilk as against City. I mean, City didn't play well, but you got to think about it. <laughs> they didn't have uh, a Hudson Adoy who could play and play really well because um, he played well. Chilwell's really good. Lukaku, they didn't have Kai Havertz on. They didn't have uh, Thiago Silva on. Uh, that's five uh, players that would absolutely just tear it up. Reese James, I forgot Reese James too. Yep. Um, yeah, this is unbelievable. Like it's it, in. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, if Tuchel can coach the way that he did at PSG, this team, this team will challenge Pep. I mean, this team, this team, and Tuchel's had Pep's number. It seems. I mean, it seems like Tuchel knows how to play City. So, I know I'm a little bit overreaction, but right now Chelsea look heads above others, um, and I don't know if it's because they had so much more training together or what it was, but um, they look really, really sharp for a Week One match. Um, against a team that, yeah, they're not great, but I, I thought that you know Palace at least kind of held still a little bit, um, whereas they didn't just start leaking goals here and there. But yeah, this is a dangerous Chelsea team. I would really like a old school, early two thousands, yeah, uh, Manchester United Chelsea battle for the yeah. for first place. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, or like a 2000, what was it when I was watching? Right around 2016, 17, when City and Chelsea used to go at each yeah. other. So before Chelsea got hit with the right or the restrictions. But yeah, it's always fun. I mean, it's really fun when the two big boys get to play against each other. And now that United's spending again, too. Um, now they just need a couple more teams to spend, and it'll be a blast. Let's talk Everton. Uh, this was a team that was kind of up in the air with, uh, you know, you know, Matt goes on the forums all the time. They said that they're going to suck, right? Because they lost uh, Ancelotti. He leaves mm-hmm. in the middle of this uh, experiment. Uh, you lose um, – uh, you're probably going to lose James. Uh, but, you know, they go ahead and, and put out a, uh, a lineup that doesn't have uh, James in there. Uh, but – they go down a goal, 22 minutes in, and you're like, here it comes, right? Here it comes. Adam Armstrong scores for Southampton. Everton's in trouble. Then you get Richarlison in the 47th minute. You get a great goal by Decore in the 76th minute, by the way. Uh, this th- That goal was just amazing. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen that, look that up. And then Calvert-Lewin with the diving header to make it 3-1 in the 81st minute, and they turn this game around, and they win – 3-1 with Rafa Benitez as their manager now. Uh, the possession, almost even. 52 to Southampton, 48 to Everton. 14 shots from Everton to Southampton, 6. Uh, XG was a 2.09 for Everton to a .78 for Southampton. That's pretty much all the stats you need there. Um, what were your thoughts here on Everton just you know, turning this thing around. So, I mean, uh, Rafa, he, he, 
he made some changes. Uh, they made some changes at half, uh, and, and even in the game where um, I, I think it, it helped in the central mid. It helped with you know Rich Arlson playing, um, Damari Gray. Uh, you know they had different positions that they were playing, and it it did. It kind of opened up the game. I thought you know that it was something I think Ancelotti got in trouble last year with because he didn't. Like when things were going well, and if you remember uh, anybody that was listening last year, that I mean, Everton started out like gangbangers. Like we thought um, that they were going to be a team that, you know, at least until December and January made this nice little run where even they were like, hey, we could consider signing somebody because they went on that run with uh, DCL played really well. Um, Hamas had like that like resurgence in the first couple months. But then once October hit, it was like game over. Um but again, I think Rafa does some things that are interesting. I, I feel like, you know, getting a good performance uh, out of a Decore, getting good performance out of DCL, and then a Richarlson who really hasn't had a break um, since the Olympics, he came in and firing on all cylinders. So, no, I, I thought it was a it was a well deserved win. It's a team that uh, they play a team that I don't think is very good at all um, in Southampton. So I guess you know take with it uh, what you will, um, but. A good start at Goodison Park, a really good start uh, with fans back. Uh, I felt like this was one of those matches, just like kind of like the Newcastle game that we'll get to, that where the fans really just kind of energized you to a different level. Um, and Everton came out second half uh, and looked a lot better when they made those changes um, just in the middle uh, of their attack, in the middle of their defense, really. So, um, no, it's a great start. I like I like what Roth has done so far. But, again, that the honeymoon phase is still on once things start getting ugly. Um, what can he do to change things around? Yeah, I was impressed by them. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, I was, you know, not watching the game at the time. I had to, um, you know, find it later uh, that I was watching this. But it was, uh, you know, a little, um, uh, you know, I was hearing stuff about Everton not looking good at first, and then Southampton was looking good, and then you know after halftime, just uh, Everton turned on, score three goals, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess that was uh, no longer the <laughs> no longer the case. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and talk some uh, Leicester City. Old man Vardy scoring 41 minutes in against Wolverhampton Wanderers, and that's all that she wrote there. Uh, no other scores to mention. Uh, 56% possession to Leicester, 44 to Wolves. Uh, Wolves actually topped the XG with 1.49 to, to Leicester's 0.51. Wolves with 17 shots to Leicester's 9. But Leicester had five shots on target to Wolves three. So what do you think here? Uh, you know, I think a lot of pressure is on Leicester to kind of get this uh, right um, and hopefully hold on to James Madison. Uh, but, yeah, they also have uh, they have uh, DACA, who they bought from Salzburg. He did not see the field. They also have Ian Nacho. Uh, who came in in the 72nd minute. Uh, but just the stats don't work in their favor in this game, but they won 1-0. So obviously can't be too disappointed. We were all worried about Wolves going into this season. So what's your thoughts here? Yeah, so um, I think you hit it uh, in a pretty interesting point where, I mean, just the depth that Le- Lester has in the attack, especially in the cent- you know that central position up top, 
Um, because, I mean, the biggest thing with Vardy, what, it's probably his age as he's older. Um, they're going to have to manage his time. And, and I know Brendan Rodgers was um, talking after the game about just kind of managing his um, his minutes and, and, you know, how much of this fixture congestion has really helped uh, or really hurt uh, some of these older players because they're just not able to get fit. Um, and when they are fit, they've been, you know, playing a month ago or whatever it was. So, yeah, it's uh, – Leicester, I think the biggest story for them this season, and I can't wait to watch it, um, like you said, those signings that they bring in. Uh, Pass and Daka, who I think uh, ends up being a really good Premier League player. It's a matter of can they get him, you know, into that system and playing well underneath Brendan Rodgers' system. I think Ihanacho played really well last year, um, especially when Vardy had to miss time. Um and he, you know, I think Ihanacho plays with more of a chip on his shoulder because he's got, you know, he's trying to prove those that that city that sold him, um, that you know he belongs at this level, and it, it, it's it's going to be interesting to watch that battle. It's going to be interesting to watch what they do with James Madison. Um, you know, Harvey Barnes and them are playing really well. Tielemans is really good. Um, that defense, I mean, it looked decent against a Wolves team that uh, was trying to go more attack minded. Um, I think that how they, how do you say that their new manager Laje? I think this guy said, um, but he know. he was trying to what he was trying to do was to kind of implement this more attacking style of play, and uh, you know with Raúl Jiménez, um, I think that you can get that, uh, you know, you can get that done with him. Um, but I think other than that, when you're looking at a, a team of like Wolves, it's it's hard to find the attacking play. I mean, it's really hard to find players that are going to be consistent um, and, and really kind of add to this team uh, more than, than Jimenez. But I, it's, again, Wolves are really confusing just because they, they're kind of in that zone where they could be in danger some too, just because of if they don't score, uh, I'm not sure that they're good enough to kind of stay up in this first half of the table. All right, let's move on to the sur- another surprise one here. Watford 3, Aston Villa 2. Watford getting promoted from the championship and back into the Premier League after a year out. And uh, 10 minutes in, Emmanuel Dennis scores to make it uh, 1-0. Then uh, Sar scores to make it 2-0 in the 42nd minute. Then in the 67th, you get Juan Hernandez scoring to make it 3-0. And then John McGinn in the 70th to make it 3-1. And then 90 plus 7, Danny Ings converts a penalty for Aston Villa. And uh, that that's it there. But Aston Villa now without Jack Grealish. And, uh, you know, some people are concerned about how they played without Jack Grealish last year. Um, and Watford just come in and, and take a 3-0 lead. Now, of course, they almost blow it to, th- to 3-2 there, uh, but what were your thoughts on Watford's performance? Um, they look kind of fearless, to be honest. Uh, I, I thought, and I know Matt was watching this game more than any of us, where he, and Matt had kind of pointed out the fact that some of these relegation, or some of the teams that were um, that are going to be battling for relegation are teams that weren't there last year uh, in championships. So I think you know, Watford's an interesting story just because I think they've got they've got the most talent of the bunch. Um, I think where as far as like when you're looking at the roster and looking how deep they are, um, but again, Norwich and Brentford are no slouches either. So it's um, 
this year's a little different. There, there's not like a clear West Brom. Uh, and I know that the Aston Villa team without Grealish is a little different. But, I mean, this was a Villa team that played pretty well to start the season last year. Um, and, again, like you said, once Grealish disappears, it, it was like uh, a disappearing act of points um, that Villa were able to, to pull off last season. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, one, I think with Watford, Saar, uh, I think he's a really good and interesting player for – for Watford, I think that his success to, is probably what ultimately carries this team um, throughout the season. I, I think that he's got the abilities uh, to create the attack that um, you know that this Watford team will need. Um, but again, it, it's an interesting story when you look at the opposite side. When you look at a Villa team without Jack Grealish, can they? Do they have enough after those three signings that they made? Are, you know, are they good enough to play? Um, and, and kind of make up for that absence. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be very difficult just because of how much Grealish was a part of their team for so long uh, and part of their system that I think that, you know, it's a, it's an adjustment period that's coming. Uh, Danny Ings is a nice piece to add, but how, you know, how long can Danny Ings do it? It's kind of like the Jamie Vardy kind of thing where we have to manage his minutes. And if he doesn't play well, then that's some trouble. Um, they're, they're relying a lot on Buendia um, to kind of come in and, and have some success here. Um but yeah, I'm interested to see what they do, what Leon Bailey, Bailey does, and and where Villa can go without Grealish. All right, uh, let's move on to Liverpool Norwich. This is the last game of Saturday. Liverpool win this one. Uh, Jota scores in the 26th minute. Uh, Firmino scores in the 65th, and Mo Salah in the 74th. And uh, they win three nothing. When we look at stats, 50-50 possession. That's pretty fun. Uh, expected goals 1.61 to Norwich to 1.48 for Liverpool. Again, why XGs are, are pointless, I guess, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a 3 nothing Liverpool. Uh, total shots 19 to 14 advantage Liverpool there. Shots on target 8 to 3 advantage Liverpool. Uh, are you. You know, Liverpool always seems to get the first team that gets, you know, gets promoted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Back up, they had like Fulham, I think it was last year to kick off the season, or one of those. <laughs> teams. Uh, what, what were your thoughts here on uh, Norwich versus Liverpool? Because uh, you know we have Josh Sargent on Norwich now. He came into the game as well. He was uh, he was subbed in in the seventy seventh minute, and he had to mainly defend in his own half, just like he did at Burnham. <laughs> so very familiar. <laughs> But what were your thoughts on on Liverpool? Are they back to full strength now? Um, yeah, I think when you look at Van Dyke and and Matt shared an interesting um, uh, photo of like his distribution in that match, um, and he kind of comes up and plays as the main distributor uh, at the top, right around the midfield area, and it, you know he switches play really nicely. Um, and, th- and that's something that they really missed. With the center backs last year, I don't feel like there was enough consistency with the center backs to really kind of get any kind of pairing going. And Liverpool plays so well out of the back with Van Dyke that it makes a huge difference when he's playing. Um, and he's just so clever. Uh, he's spraying balls over the top. He's putting balls, you know, he's switching quickly so that the defense has a hard time keeping up. Um, and with those wingers that they have, if, if he can place balls into the, some of these different wingers, um, like a Jota, like a, you know, Salah, like a uh, Mane. I think it, you know, it's 
they're, they're definitely a team that is very competitive. Uh, I know Matt said something along the lines of like maybe adding in more of like a midfielder kind of role, um, maybe some more winger depth. Uh, but I, I think, you know, with this team, with the amount of talent that they have, if you just look down the list of players that they have, um, their talent is is matched up against, you know, some of the top teams in the Premier League. I think their biggest thing is depth, obviously, and they saw that last year with all the injuries that they had. Um, Nabby Cates have played pretty well, uh, which I know Klopp uh, was very happy to see because um, Cates kind of has this time where he, he'll miss and then he'll play and then he'll miss and then he'll play, just like everybody else, I guess, on Liverpool. But, um, no, I, I, you know, I thought they looked good. I thought Firmino actually looked really good off the bench. Um which he hasn't looked good in a long time. So, I mean, he probably had one of the most rough seasons that I've seen in a long time last year. Um, just not getting the chance to put the ball in the net. He puts the ball in the net, see it once, and, and start seeing him more. So, um, And good for Josh Sargent. <laughs> I'm happy to see him. It was funny that you said that, that he was defending most of the time because I, he's really easy to spot with the orange hair. And he, he was, like, running in and out of, like, the set pieces. I'm like, that poor kid. He's just, you know, he's going to different teams that just don't defend. Matt, I know. He's like, new a, team, same as the old team, right? Yeah. yeah. And and Norwich has been notorious in just not being able to defend uh, once they get up to the Premier League. So, yeah. Um, if I had to pick, honestly, I feel like I feel like what the games I've watched, I felt like Norwich was actually – because Norwich has, has a difficult time, you know, it seems. So, it, it, and they, they've always had a hard time defending, even in championships. So, I – you know, it'll be interesting to see what Norwich does um, because I feel like if I was going to pick one of the three that came up, I feel like I'd be more concerned about them than I would Watford because um, Watford and Britford kind of had that same thing that Leeds had where they can just score. Um, I don't know if Norwich has that necessarily. All right. Uh, let's uh, – so Norwich, not not super great. You, you still think they'll be able to survive the season? I don't know. Pookie, it depends. Pookie, does he Mitrovic or does he, you know, step into a role that he really needs to to, to score goals? Because, again, they, they're not going to be able to defend. Not from what I watched or experienced. Yeah. Um, they just kind of look like a team that's disorganized. And that really can come back to bite you if you can't score. Um, I guess you could compare it to like a West Brom kind of situation where West Brom couldn't really score. And while they tried to defend their best, they just couldn't. You can't scrap out. You've got to be able to score in these games. Um, you can't just take points here and there. So. All right, so we got two games left here to talk about. Newcastle to West Ham 4. A little bit of a shock one. So I was watching this was wild. breakfast. And then we go down to breakfast. And, and the day before on Saturday, they had the uh, Manchester game on the on the big TV. And I was able to watch some of that there while I was eating breakfast in the um, – you know, the free continental breakfast at, at the Holiday Inn. Uh, <laughs> then uh, this time they did not have the Newcastle game on. So when I leave, it is 2-1. Yeah, it's 2-1 yeah. when I go to eat breakfast. I come back and it's 4-2. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> Five minutes in, Jalen Wilson scores to make it 1-0. And then Cresswell scores for West Ham to make it 1-1. Then in the 40th minute, Jacob Murphy makes it 2-1. Then we go to halftime. After halftime in the 53rd, we have uh, Ben Rama makes it 2-2. We have a missed penalty. Then we have uh, Socek converting to make it 3-2. Then 4-2 uh, Antonio to give 
uh, West Ham, the victory. They had a great season last year. They're off to a good start here. I think I had Newcastle in the relegation zone for me. I did, so I'm a little worried. Uh, I'm not worried about it. I guess I got it right uh, if they continue <laughs> playing like that. Uh, but, yeah, they started off so strong, and they had the 2-1 lead, and then they blow it. What was Newcastle's issue? Uh, the same thing happened last year. They're <laughs> just not they're they're not a they're not a world beating team. Uh, and actually, they're I'm, I really want to be nice. I want to try to start out positive, but uh, to score two goals has been pretty impressive for Newcastle. Um, so when Callum Wilson scored, you know, five minutes in, I was like, okay, like this is this is this is good for Newcastle. But then you start to look at their roster; it's pretty much the same roster that they put out last year. Um, I think a healthy uh, Sam Maximin is really good because there's some matches that he missed last year where good for my fantasy team. Too. It is, yeah. Right. Um, Callum Wilson scores. I mean, he, he, he does well enough. Um, Al Marone was probably their best player last year. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that they have a better season than last year. I just don't see it um, on my end. I, I don't see them coming with a big signing. They just don't have that ownership um, that, that's going to spend money because they're kind of on their way out. Um, and then a West Ham team that, if you remember, they had a really good season last year uh, and could have been even better, I think. Um, Mikel Antonio probably looked better than anybody on the pitch. Um, he was very creative, uh, set up a nice goal um, for Ben Rama. Ben Rama was really good. He, he played extremely well, and, and he played pretty well last year. I think he looked fantastic yesterday. Um, Fornals and Bowen are really good players. Bowen had a great breakaway and got a one-on-one with Woodman um, that I'm actually shocked Woodman got to um, just because Bowen put everybody else on ice. Thomas Suchek probably had like a shocking, I think like eight goals or something crazy, 12 goals, something like that last year. Like it seemed like every time we talked about Thomas Suchek, he scored. Declan Rice, if he stays, is one of the best uh, defensive mids. Um, in the game, Cresswell is, is fan, you know, he's phenomenal on the left side, but, um, I'm more impressed with the way that West Ham battled at St. James's park, just because St. James is, is absolutely bonkers, uh, as far as the environment and giving people, you know, that extra boost. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, it was a really exciting game. And like you said, it was, it was kind of shocking in, in the way that it was just so much back and forth. I just remember texting you guys going, this game is absolutely wild. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, that, that one was wild. Uh, and let's finish it up with uh, Logan's team here. Tottenham one Manchester city nil uh, son scores in the 55th minute. And when I was watching the highlight video of this, by the way, it definitely seemed like uh, that that Tottenham had the better chances, but looking at the stats, it doesn't seem to be true. There's 66% possession for City to 34 for Tottenham. Uh, 18 shots to City to 13 for Tottenham. Four shots on target to Tottenham's three. But I felt like when I was watching the videos, like almost every it was just kept all these counterattacks from from Tottenham that they should have maybe put away and even you know, buried uh, City even more. But this is a Harry Kane-less Tottenham. He did not play because of fitness issues uh, since he was refusing to train for such a long time. So while some of these teams have their English players back, 
he was refusing to train for a bit as he's trying to force a move and he just wasn't ready to go. I think he didn't join the team again until last week or late last week. So that became an issue for them. But Sun says, no problem. I'll put you all on my back. And he goes and scores like he did last year. And uh, they take down Manchester City. And I was looking, I was like, last year, Man City had a rough start to the season, if we all remember, right? Because we were kind of like, wow, why are they not doing so hot? And then they ended up winning the league. but uh, And that was because of the November 28th to March 2nd stretch where they lost no games. Uh, but last year they even they actually started with a 3-1 win over Wolves, and I couldn't find any time under Pep where they started a season with a loss. So we're in new territory here. Uh, now this was a good Spurs. I guess you could say it's a good Spurs team. They played well, but I mean, uh, it's no Harry Kane, uh, brand new manager, Sun scores. What What were your thoughts as a City fan watching this uh, game unfold here? There's a lot of hype. You know, Grealish starts. Everybody's excited. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for me watching the game was uh, we need a about a hundred and twenty to hundred fifty million dollar striker. Um, I don't know where we'll get one, but uh, there might have been one in the building. We don't know. Uh, yeah, that's it. Like, I honestly, when I'm watching it, we were very good for 20 minutes, and then after that, uh, Tottenham really got out and, and ran. I, and Nuno's really good at uh, getting teams to counter, uh, and his team's countering in the attack uh, when he had guys like uh, Traore, when he had guys like um, Raul D or Raul. How about Carl Raul? And it, bleh, wrong one. That's in that's Seattle. Um, when you got guys like Raul Jimenez. Uh, that is something that can be really special. And I think he's trying to kind of duplicate that here at Tottenham. Um, Sun was really, really good. And uh, Bergwijn was really good. I, I thought that the defense, obviously with Dyer, um, Tanganga uh, was really phenomenal. I thought if you had to pick a man of the match, it might have been Sun Bergwijn. But I thought Tanganga was uh, probably the best on the pitch. Um, and he was in charge of kind of locking down Grealish and Sterling and did it uh, phenomenally. I thought that, you know, at least Sterling or Grealish could get free on that left-hand side, but th- that was just not a chance. There, there was no chance against Tanganga. And, you know, I, with City, they look to cross the ball into a striker that isn't a striker. Um, Torres is by trade a winger, so I think that that's another issue. I know that they've been trying to make him and kind of convert him into where he can play striker, and you know he's had success in the past, but I just don't know if he's that consistent striker that you need. They put Gabriel Jesus in, but they put him on the wing. Um, <laughs> I thought Mares played well, but um, you know there, there's just no goal scoring in the front. And that was kind of a concern. And that's kind of what the issue was last year. When we played Chelsea in the Champions League, there was just nobody there. I mean, it, it gets to a point where you almost have to rely on Phil Foden to score or Raheem to score or Riyad Mahrez to hit in a banger. Just because, I, you know, KDB's not known to go out and score a ton. Um, Gundogan doesn't score a ton. Uh, Ferran Torres doesn't score a ton. Fernandinho doesn't score. Um, so it's... You know, it's a, it's a mix. It's like a perfect mix. And like you said, Jordan, it, it seems like City always starts out sluggishly. A lot of times it's because players don't play when they get back. You know, Aguero's been hurt for 26 seasons straight. Um, and this year we just don't even have him um, to worry about. But, yeah, I, I'm 
getting a striker is huge in City. I get people going, oh my gosh, you made Grealish a, a huge deal, like, and that's all you worried about. You didn't go get a striker, but it's not like strikers grow on trees. <laughs> like it's a, you know, Harry Kane or Erling Haaland right now and City don't really want, you know, Latoura Martinez or they didn't want a Lukaku. So they just don't fit in that system. But yeah, it, false nine. Um, and that's Pep's biggest weakness right now, not having that striker. All right. No reason to push the panic button yet, right? Yeah, absolutely. Panic. Panic enough to where Harry Kane comes to Manchester City. <laughs> Press the uh, Joe Panic button. Yeah, get him get him in the squad. Yeah, All right. Uh, so here's how the table shakes out, and then we'll we'll preview next week. Uh, mm-hmm. Manchester United in first with three points, then Chelsea in second, Liverpool in third, West Ham in fourth, Everton in fifth, Brentford in sixth, Watford in seventh, Brighton in eighth, Leicester in ninth. Tottenham in 10th. All those with three points. There was no draws. No draws. Then we go all the teams with zero points. Aston Villa in 11th. Burnley in 12th. Man City in 13th. Wolves in 14th. Newcastle in 15th. uh, Southampton in 16th. Arsenal in 17th. Palace in 18th. Norwich in 19th. And Leeds in 20th due to the goal differential there. Um... So we can't really overreact on that. The fact there's no draws yet, just everybody is either all or nothing so far to start the season. Ten teams with three points, ten teams with zero points. We'll see how it goes uh, next week. This Saturday at 11.30, we have Liverpool Liverpool versus Burnley. That seems like a weird time, 11.30. Are are these the right times? They've got to be 7.30. Okay, why is my computer telling me the British Times? Okay, hold on. <laughs> I was like, this is wrong. 7.30, Liverpool versus Burnley. Aston Villa versus Newcastle at 10. Crystal Palace versus Brentford at 10. Leeds versus Everton at 10. Manchester City and Norwich at 10. And Brighton versus Watford at 12.30. Uh, poor Norwich. They have to go face <laughs> Liverpool and then they have to, have to fight for Jess Arger. He's going to be playing uh, center back in that one. Um, Sunday, we have Southampton uh, versus Manchester United. The last time, I believe it was the last time they faced, that it was the 8 nothing game for Manchester United over them. Uh, that is 9 a.m. Then also at 9 a.m. is Wolves versus Tottenham as Nuno faces his former team. Then Arsenal versus Chelsea in a London derby. That's at 11.30. Then on Monday, we have our first Monday game of the season in what should be a really good showdown, West Ham versus Leicester. Some good matchups. And Arsenal versus Chelsea already. Lukaku is supposed to be able to be called in on and i think uh havertz is supposed to be ready to go for that too so i'm so sorry arsenal fans because it seems like that (laughs) might be some rough sledding for you uh this this upcoming sunday uh anything else that you want to talk about logan Mm, no uh I think that he covered it all. I'm excited that the Premier League's back. It was great to wake up on Saturday morning and just be like, ah, Premier League's back. Um, the Premier. Um, 
but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to see Brentford play. Obviously that was a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait to see Brentford host one. So um, this matchup coming up this weekend uh, will be a blast. Uh, they don't host, but who knows? Uh, Brentford playing Crystal Palace. Six points for the Brentford boys and the bees. Uh, what else? I guess that's it. I'm looking forward to the London Derby as well because I think that it could really be ugly. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but Chelsea's be nothing Arsenal or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like Chelsea, you know, had like a game to play earlier this offseason that really just helped them out um, after their little Champions League win or whatever they call that league. Yeah. That cup that they won or whatever. That's kind of cool. Trophies galore in London. Okay, uh, so let's go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you want to follow us on Twitter, just uh, go ahead and give us a follow over on Twitter at Stoppage show uh you can follow us on facebook.com slash stoppage time soccer show email us stoppage time show at gmail.com or instagram stoppage time soccer show we're also going to be talking some stateside soccer show we record that tomorrow uh for the weekend in mls where seattle sounders pulled a manchester united against uh against Leeds and just demolished the portland timbers uh, they were like Kesha, you know, they were yelling timber. Uh, so we're oh going to go ahead and talk that game and talk uh, Nashville thumping DC United uh, on a big comeback. It was almost like a West Ham versus uh, Newcastle uh, type of situation there. So, yeah, uh, that's what we got for you coming up on the podcasts, and we will catch you later. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.